chapter 19. De or Disco, part 1. Quote by a Communist Party secretary of my college. A disco is not a place that we like our people to go. It's a place for bad boys and girls. There are fights. People drink too much. It's not a good place, end quote. A quote from DJ Freshy Fresh and the Fresh Fresh Crew. Lick it, baby, lick it. I want you to lick it all night. You know you want it, so lick it, baby, 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 end quote. I jump out of the pedicab too quickly and hit my head on the metal frame above us. I flinch and drop two coins into the driver's hands. His hands are swollen with cold again. The ride should only be two coins, but I grab another from my jacket and also drop that into his hands. He smiles, and I see broken teeth and happy eyes. Always there are these two worlds everywhere I go, those warmly cocooned in cars and those out fighting the cold with swollen hands. A lady huddles against the cold outside the disco, selling baked sweet potatoes from a large industrial drum that's full of burning coal. Her face is wrapped up in her, in her old scarf, and I can only really see her eyes. I ask her how much a potato is, and she indicates five cents with her hands. I don't have any small change, so I pass by and move into the disco entrance. Neon separates the street from the interior. Neon and heat. As I climb the first few stairs through green neon light, the heat creeps around me and softens everything. I don't clench my teeth anymore. My muscles relax. We acclimatise to this new world the higher we climb. There is no more cold here, no more grime. A girl with black plunging neckline shirt smiles and tells me I need to pay 50 RMB to get in. Her teeth are perfect and her eyes are dead. A guy beside her with red, electrified-looking hair says hi to me and takes my money. His hands are fat, not with cold and smooth and light. These hands haven't touched the world outside. We find a spot at a bench which glows red and order beer from a girl wearing a miniskirt with a Budweiser brand plastered all over her, scarring her. I prefer the local Qingdao beer, but they're out of it. There's only imported stuff left. In my supermarket aisle at this, near me, Budweiser is selling for six people's dollars a bottle. This little jewel, clutched securely in my hand, costs me 30. My head still hurts from the pedicab, and when the beer comes, I drink fast in the hope that it will dull the pain. Julie, a Chinese teacher from the college, is sitting across from me, her eyes dragging the dance floor for something, maybe men, I don't know. She drinks her beer from a glass, huge, badly pulled head, and bobs her, bobs her head with the beat. Green light flashes across her hair and she closes her eyes. I hear from the speakers, ice cream, bubblegum, cotton candy, yo, 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 oh, 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 Ringo star, spaceship, teddy bear, now, wow, wonder where you are, etc, etc. And then the words drift back into Chinese and the lights cut open with strobe, freakish, jarring stick movements now. People in semi-slow-mo. Anyone who passes me stares as they go by. I just grin back. They avoid my eyes. James leans forward in the strobe towards me. He offers me a cigarette. I take two and nod and he lights the little inferno. We are all cartoon characters in the strobe. I grin at Julie and she smiles back. She raises her glass and between disco, drum and bass, thunder and thud, I hear her shout, Gumbay! cheers. I push out a lungful of smoke. I raise my bottle and wink at her. She smiles back. James taps my arm. 
There is someone with him smiling from ear to ear and I think, oh, fuck. But I look very happy and enthused and pleased and bright and welcoming. I know the drill. James smiles too, a smile that seems to be picture perfect every time. And he says, this is Mr. Huang. I'd like to buy you a beer. James gives me the thumbs up. I wince inside, but again I smile. And as a chair is placed beside me, I lean over to the man and use all my Chinese so far in one short two-minute conversation that goes something like, Ni hao ma, hi, how are you? And I pull back on the beer he has paid top dollar for and smile. He replies with, Ni hao, and rattles off a string of words I don't understand. And I shrug my shoulders and say, Wobble dong, I don't understand. He smiles and nods and gazes out into the dance floor, his eyes moving rapidly. I know this look. He's composing English words in his head, an assembly plan of sentences. He leans over, not taking his eyes off the dance floor. He tries, where are, where, where are you from? I then take a minute to compose. I hide behind a mask of beer and smile and kill more time to complete my construction by reaching for one of James' cigarettes. I puff down my first full lungful of smoke. Packaged and as tonal as I can, I say these words. I am from Australia. Again, I smile. I retreat to the free beer. I suspect that in these transactions, the beer is a form of payment for the interaction, and that's okay, I guess. I'm getting used to it now. I watch girls. They're in groups, dancing, looking at each other, protective rings. They occasionally talk and smile. There are some couples, but they seldom touch. They call it PDA, public display of affection, and it's usually a no-no here. But if you look hard enough, you see it sometimes. It's different, subtle. The stranger is very happy to have met me and he shakes my hand and is gone. I move out of my corner, out of this faceless place, and there is light over the bar. Eyes turn to me. I feel them. I don't need to look. It's in the air. I point to a bottle of Qingdao. The girl behind the bar stares at me for too long and giggles to her comrade, and she grabs the bottle. A man comes up beside me and takes my money and gives it to her. I don't know why. Men push past me, pushing through people as I'm breathing. I think nothing of it anymore. I hardly even notice much now. From the edge of the dance floor, I just see a small mat of bodies, clusters and clots of, clots of people. No one dances with drinks in their hands. I ignore the convention and weave about the dance floor with my Qingdao. I don't know how to say sorry in Chinese yet, so I just smile if someone looks irritated. Most look at me like I'm a circus freak, so the smile just adds to the show. I go to the bathroom to relieve myself. On the way, I'm caught in a jam of people at the door and three red-faced drunken guys start trying to talk to me. They're nice, but I, you know, I'm just sick of the attention and I manage to get past them into the bathroom, but they follow me. I unzip at the urinal and one of them twists his body around and takes a glance at me as I urinate and says to me, very good, and gives me a thumbs up and a pat on the back. I get out of there as quickly as I can, my face red. Were they being ironic? Up on the stage, either side of the DJ, are two dancing girls. They both have long, lustrous, dyed blonde hair, a yellow straw colour against their skin. They thrash their hair around in huge arcs in front of the dancers, mesmerising them, bewitching the men. I get drunk and watch this strange world spinning around in front of me. 
And I wonder if this is all a dream. Am I in Ihua anymore? My China keeps changing. Are there, in fact, many Chinas? Chapter 20, The Dental Hospital Quote, One of the most notable achievements of the Maoist era from 1949 to 76 was the dramatic improvement in access to healthcare for Chinese citizens, particularly those living in rural areas and the urban poor. Healthcare provision was greatly decentralised and diffused throughout the countryside and city neighbourhoods during this Maoist era. The rapid economic growth that epitomised the first stage of the post-1949 Chinese society can be, in part, attributed to the decision of the Chinese government to democratise healthcare, with barefoot doctors and health clinics widely available to segments of the Chinese population that had never had such access before. End quote. Quote from Mao Zedong, Health is the capital of revolution. End quote. My tooth was so painful I couldn't sleep in, and I called someone to take me to get some hardcore drugs from the clinic. They were hardcore, all right. In combination with my cold drugs, I was dizzy and disoriented when I had them. Going down the stairwell later, I had to grip the rail to remain walking in a straight line. My travel insurance covers only dental work to relieve pain, so I could only have the, the one tooth looked at, but that was okay. I asked a buddy to go with me to the dental hospital, which is called Hospital Number 2, and it's a short ride from the campus. Number 2 hospital is old. Old tiled floors, some cracked in the ceiling overhead. But it seemed okay, at least the first two floors. Lots of people were, were working in funny white coats and white hats like an old hospital movie, but it looked clean. My friend, Lynn, is chatting about everything other than the tooth, I think to distract me. But the cramp pain is gripping my head and thudding against my skull so it doesn't work so well. I'm terrified, but I have not run for the door yet. Two other Chinese friends have tried to come up with me into the dental area, but I tell them that they'd make me more nervous, so they go very reluctantly after I tell them three times I want to go alone. They do mean well, but I'm not used to operating in a group. It feels good not to have an audience for a change. We send to level three, the dentistry level. There was a long room, 20 chairs in a line, much like a butcher's, blood on the floor under some chairs, Yellow porcelain bowls were stained and contained more blood. Some of the instruments on one table were dirty. A man in blue overalls repaired, with a soldering iron, one of the chairs amongst the patients, while a red streak of cigarette ash burned between his lips. Another doctor carried a huge needle full of blue fluid. Lynn smiled, assuring me it looked rough, but they could do the work efficiently, and he tried to keep me calm. I was white like the floor should have been. I asked him to go and asked about the needles. Were they clean? The answer, we clean them in the approved way but can't guarantee they'll be 100% clean. I asked this again to check that we got the right info and the translation was repeated again. <laughs> Fuck that, I muttered, tooth aching now because my medication had worn off and decided to go home and rethink the whole thing. We left the hospital and headed out looking for a taxi. I couldn't stand the bumps and jolts with my tooth being the way it was. He gave the address of the college and slumped back in the seat and said, when you said that word, um, fuck, it sounded very, um, and he laughed. I looked at him again, not sure what to say. 
As a default setting, I just smiled, a dumb, vague-looking smile, vacuous, unsure. He saw me wince as the vehicle hit a pothole, and my tooth twinged. And with a wry smile, he said, We could go to the park. I thought this was an odd time for a picnic, and asked him why, now, to which he replied, There are people there who take out teeth. Very quick. A little bit of pain, but efficient, very cheap. Maybe 20 20 yuan. I smiled and said, I think I'll think that over at home.